Lord, we thank you today for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for the privilege that we have to know the truth. Thank you that the gospel was preached one day unto us, and we received the engrafted word and obeyed from our heart that form of doctrine that was delivered unto us, trusted Jesus for salvation, and now we're a part of the redeemed community of God. I pray, O oh Lord, today as we humble ourselves before your word and prostrate ourselves according to your will and your purpose and plan for us, that we would hear today what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us. Move upon our hearts, O oh God, with great anointing, and give us clarity that we may remember the things that you said to us in secret we can repeat in public. Move upon us, O oh God, now and help us to earn the blessing of God and earn the uh, praise and the worship of God. Help us right now to be participants and not just hearers only, but doers of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Everybody said amen. 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 Praise the Lord. How many of you left a mess at home? Boy, look at this. Y'all are kind of kind of like me, just kind of leave a, a mess sometimes. Leave things that uh, occupy your mind, and it's hard to walk in those doors right there and transition from the world that you live in to come into a place where God is present and God's presence, God's spirit, God's word, prayers. It's hard to make that transition. I can understand why some of you perhaps sit there with a somber look on your face because if I could know your story and if I could hear your, your testimony, you would tell me about things that are going on in your life that are very hard to bear. There are people in our congregation sitting here today that are battling, really battling with some awful things, going through, well, Jeff, we're praying with Jeff every day, and the prayer is what's bringing Jeff through, amen? Prayer is what's bringing him along. And we thank God for that. Joel Daniel is another that prayer is just bringing him along. They, they, they struggle with these, these things. We're struggling personally in our own family because we don't know. You know, the worst of things is when you don't know. Amen. And Debbie came very close to leaving us this last week, and we had some very tense moments there. But in all of that, God was with us, and, and God helped us even to getting a room and waiting for room. The hospitals are filled, and uh, someone very sick has to wait on a, a room. Everything just seemed to be problematic. Have you ever gone through a situation where it just seemed like everything was problematic? Amen. Just having the, the right uh, tool to do a job with uh, sometimes is problematic. Amen. And the Bible said that because we're in this world, that doesn't mean we're immune from what happens to other people that are in the world. That means that we're uh, living under Adam's uh, a curse for the sin that he committed in the garden. All of humanity, no matter what their color, what their ethnicity, or what their background or geographical location is, every one of us are children of a Abraham. And we are Abraham and Isaac, since we've come into this covenant with God. When we got salvation and got grace and uh, entered into this covenant, then God became our father and we're part of the family amen and thank the lord for that but that still doesn't mean that sometimes some bad things happen to good people 
Sometimes it does. I, I can stand here and tell you the testimonies over and over of, of people that have had difficulty and preachers actually that preach the gospel have to have to deal with loss in their family. Had a preacher friend not long ago that his son was killed in a car wreck, 21 years old, had his whole life before him. Uh, that, that pastor uh, told me, he said, Jerry, I don't think I could ever preach again. Sometimes life just knocks all the breath out of you. Sometimes things happen in life that just leave you speechless and you just stand there wondering. Well, there's a psalm that goes along with that, that kind of thinking and tells us what to do when life is uh, out of our hands. It's something we can't handle. It's, it's over our head. But there's a great saying. <clears throat> it's that when it's over my head, it's under his feet. It may be over my head, but it's under his feet. Praise the Lord. That means all things are subject to him with whom we have to do. That means that he is Lord of everything, that there is nothing that confounds him and nothing that, that causes him dismay. In Psalm 46, verse 1, to the chief musician for the sons of Korah, a, a song upon Alamoth. Alamoth, it, it's uh, this parenthetical phrase that goes on here. Alamoth means uh, maidens, and it is thought by some Bible scholars that this was written by uh, maidens and by, by women for to sing in the soprano voice. You must remember this is a song that the Israelis sung to the chief musician for the sons of Korah, a song upon Alamoth. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of need. Can anybody say the Lord has ever helped me? Can anybody ever, ever say the Lord is, is, a, is the strength and the refuge in my life that when all else fails, I can go to him because he is my refuge? When I don't know what to do and I'm stumbling along and frustrated and frightened and fearful and no, don't know which way to turn, I can go to him because he is my strength. When I am weak and I, I, I feel like I, I can't put one step in front of another and I feel like I can't get up and I can't face this and I can't do that and I can't do that, I can go to him because in my weakness, he is made strong. In my weakness, I can find a place in God that strength comes to me. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid or of what shall I be afraid? What shall I be fearful about? What shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light when I'm in darkness and when I, I, I can't see good and when, when darkness uh, pervades my, my, my view and I get mixed up about thinking about things and thoughts are in my, my mind that are, that, are, that are dark and I don't know how to handle the darkness. The Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation. I can always, when life becomes too tough for me, I can always go to him because the Lord is the refuge and the Lord is my strength and the Lord is my light. Second verse is where it gets tough. Second verse is where it gets tough. Therefore, I will not fear. 
Yes, I'll, I'll say amen while you preach about how great God is. Yes, I'll say praise the Lord, bless him Jesus. When you're talking about God being our refuge and being our light and being our salvation. But for me to believe that so much that I will not fear. That what I hear you preach about the goodness of God and the power of God and the strength of God and the light of God and the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God. And I'll say I agree, but when I appropriate that for me and my problem and my trouble and my distress, therefore will not we fear. Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Now he's using a metaphor here and he's talking about when your problem becomes so earth shattering and it becomes so mountainous and that you can't climb it and it's such a problem that you can't tunnel through it and you can't go around it. It's a mountain there and there's no way to abide with it. He said though the earth be removed, and that means when all your world is shaken, when there's no solid ground seemingly anywhere, when it seems like that everything under you is falling apart and you don't know, you want to stand, but you don't know where to find that solid place to stand. He says when the earth is shaking and the earth is shattered and, and it's removed, though mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, when the trouble is so great that things shake and move all around you, things that always have been that way are not that way anymore. Things you trusted would always be is not there anymore. People you thought would always be in your life aren't there anymore situations and things that you thought systems that you thought were permanent and that nothing would ever disrupt that suddenly that all shakes and falls apart and is no more and your whole life changes and everything about life changes all of your habits all of your things you're so familiar with you're not familiar with anymore because those things aren't there anymore Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. Trouble. Job said, a man that is born of woman is a full of trouble. Full of days of trouble. Job said, my nights are so troubled that when I lay down at night, he said, I toss, I'm full of tossings to and fro unto the dawning of the day. And he said, I wonder when will my trouble be gone and when will my distress, I am so disquieted within me. That means my innermost being, it's not just on the outside, it's, it's on the inside, it's in my heart. I'm fighting the battle of faith in my heart. I'm fighting the battle of faith in my mind. It's in my mind, it's in my heart, and I'm struggling with it. And I'm wondering, where is God? And how does God play into all of this? Yes, he's my refuge. Yes, he's my strength. Preacher, you talking to yourself? Yes, I'm preaching to myself. Preachers struggle with the same thing that I'm talking to you about that you struggle with every day. Though the earth be shaken and removed, mountains 
be carried into the midst of the sea, the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river. How did that get in there? There is a river, and the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. There is a river, and the streams. What is the psalmist talking about? There flows out from the throne of God grace and strength and power and wisdom and glory and blessing and prosperity and provision. Hallelujah. I just keep on going right there because that stream that's flowing from God are the attributes of God, the love of God, the strength of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the healing of God. All of those things flow in that river that proceeds from the throne of God. Hallelujah. All that God is about, all that God is, all of those things about him flows out to every one of us. And that when we are troubled and when we are distressed, remember there is a river. Can you say there is a river? There is a river. Praise God. And it is metaphorical and metaphysical of the glory of God and the presence of God and the power of God. And it lets us know that God is with us, that the promises of God are with us. And that when we go to him, we can expect to take a Take an experience in the river. One, one prophet talked about the river, didn't he, Brother Don? And he said, some people walk out about ankle deep. And they feel like that's far enough. Come on, somebody. Ankle deep and kind of just kick around and splash around on the edge of the river. Was that Ezekiel that talked about that? He said, then there are those that they go out about knee deep. I heard Brian preach this last, last week at a camp meeting about how people wade out that those blessings of God flow out from him, but praise God, you've got to have some energy to get into the water. What is that the singers sing? Step into the water. Wade out a little bit deeper. Everybody needs to go deeper in that river that proceeds out of the throne of God. Amen. There are people that go knee deep, you know, and hey, you got to have good knees, amen. That's for praying. Amen, that's for praying. When you get out about knee deep, you're out deep enough that you got knee deep and you're ready to talk about your praying then. That river, it's deeper than that, though. You need to go further. You need to get on out there to the deeper part where, where you can swim, amen, where, you're, where you can get out there where there's freedom and where there's blessing, Amen. So don't be one of those shallows person in your, in your experience with the river. Make sure that river is where you can get out deeper to where you can experience God to the fullest, not just splash around on the edges. Boy, that's good preaching. I like that. There is a river and the streams of it, the grace and the mercy and the blessing and the forgiveness make glad the city of God. 
They make us happy. They make us glad. So that when we come to God's house, even though we're burdened and even though we're bound with some sorrow and grief and despondency and despair, when we come to God's house, the Bible said rejoice. I will make the people of God rejoice about the goodness of God that flows in the river. Hallelujah. Though the waters roar and be troubled, there's a river. Amen. Though where you're at, there's a, a storm going on and the waters are troubled and it's tough to navigate, but there is a river and the streams of that river make glad the people of God, the city of God. Boy, that's great stuff. Verse 5, if you can shout it all, you'll shout here, God is in the midst of her. God is in the midst of her. God is in the midst of his people. God is in your midst. And God is in your midst. Oh, bo, 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 brother Jerry, Lord of mercy. God ain't nowhere about the midst of where I am. My Lord, there's cussing and carrying on. There's anger. There's malice. There's all kind of stuff going on where where I am, he's certainly not in the midst. Yes, he is. I said, yes, he is. You may not think he's in that midst of that mess you're in, but standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. If you'll just look around somewhere, you'll find him. Oh, yeah, if you'll knock a little bit, the door will open. If you'll seek a little bit, you'll find. If you'll ask a little bit, you'll, you'll hear a response. Hallelujah. Because if God is in the midst of her, I want to tell you some good things go with the presence of God. And though things are going on around you that may not be a blessing, I want to tell you if God is in the midst of her, there'll be blessing and there'll be happiness and there'll be peace and there'll be joy and there'll be worship. Oh, nothing can take the place of God's midst when he's in the midst of us. Oh, I want him in my midst wherever I go. I want him in the midst of my family, in the waiting room. I want his midst to be in when we gather here. I want his midst on Sunday night. I want it on Wednesday night. I want it in ladies' prayer meeting. I want God to be in our midst no matter what we do or what we're going through or what we face. We need to admit we need God's presence and God's midst to go with us. We need the cloud by, by day and the pillar of fire by night. We need his midst. And you need him to be in your life in that same way. God is in the midst of her. Oh, and I love this. Speaking of the church, she shall not be moved. Wow. Why did God say, my church is built upon a rock and will not be moved? My church is built upon a solid foundation and the gates of hell shall not prevail. No army will ever be, ever, ever be able to destroy my church, God says. For God said, he that destroys my church, him God will destroy. I want to tell you, God is committed to the church. In fact, he's married to the church. Praise God, hallelujah. And I want you to know that he's committed to protecting the church, to stand up for the church. And you may not think it sometimes, but he's still in control. I said he's still in control. 
You may not be in control, but he's in control. Amen. Things around you may not be in control, but God is in control. Where God is in the midst, hey, praise God, he is in control. And all things are subservient to him. All things, all things, all things are his employ. He can use anything in any situation. He can take something meant for evil and turn it into good. Those brothers of Joseph looked at him and he when they finally understood who he was, Joseph said, you meant it as evil unto me, but God. But God meant it for good. Brother, if anybody could tell you what's bad's going on in my life, in the prison, accused, lied, lied on and falsely accused and put in a pit and left for dead, traded on the auction block like, a, like an animal. But God. But God gave him favor and God blessed him even when he was in the middle of all the hell that was going on around him. He had favor of God. Favor with God. You see, God is going to bless his people. It doesn't matter what kind of a prison or a pig pen or whatever you find yourself in. If you've got the favor of God with you, then God will cause things to work for good. All things, bad things, sorrowful things, hurtful things, all things work for good to people, to them that love the Lord. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. God. Oh, I, I need those Hebrew children to get up on the witness stand right now. Come on, Hebrew children. Did God ever help you, boys? What did God do to help you? When they replied to Nebuchadnezzar and to those people throwing them in a fire heated seven times, they said, our God will deliver us. Our God will see us through. Our God will take care of us. Praise God. The fire can't burn it and the water can't flood it. Praise God. If God be for us, who could be against us? They said, our God. Our God is able to deliver us from the fire. And then they said, but if he does not. But if he does not, we still have such a commitment that we've purposed in our hearts. Whether God does it or whether God doesn't do it, whatever, it's in the hands of God and whatever God does, we've purposed in our hearts that God will work this out for the best. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody this morning that have just about given up and said, uh, I don't believe it's ever going to happen. I want to tell you, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. Teach us, Lord, to wait upon you. When you wait upon God, I want to tell you, he comes to your aid, not when you want it, but when he decides to move in your life. If you'll be patient with him and wait, then God will bless you and God will help you. Don't lose heart. Keep going on. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. 
don't resign. Don't, don't decide I'm not going to do this anymore and I'm not going to. Hey, you stand in there and hang in there with God and hang in there with what God called you and gifted you and talented you to do. For the Lord is present with those who are of an upright heart and an upright spirit that walk uprightly before him. He's committed to you. He will help you. And the Bible said, and that right early. Right early. Right early. Mm. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob, verse 7, is our refuge. Selah. Hmm. Did you ever wonder what Selah meant? Why is that Selah there? The Lord will help us. The Lord will deliver us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Actually, the Selah is a musical term which means a rest. Rest. In other words, it tells those people that are singing the song, take a break. It's a rest. Those of you who know music know that on the, on the staff there's a sig sign there that is for a rest. That means shut your mouth. <laughs> Quit singing. Take a break. Rest. Mark, did I get that right about that music? That, yeah, he said I was right about that. The man who wrote that song, when he got to that point and he put that rest signal right there, it means don't sing it anymore, hush for a minute, catch your breath. Rest, relax. Now let's read it like, like you ought to read it. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Take a rest. Relax. Woo. I heard God whisper in somebody's ear, he's talking to you. Some of you need to take a break. Some of you need to rest. Some of you need to stop telling the story over and over and just take a rest. Just relax. Just wait a minute. You can start back in just a little bit, but for right now, just relax for a minute. Whew. I wonder if we could get God in here and let him tell you, why don't you relax? Why don't you just rest? What that means is be confident, be calm, and be assured that you know that God will keep what you've committed to him, what you've prayed to him about. God said, don't worry about that. I heard you. I heard you. Heard you when you first prayed. You remember over there in Daniel chapter 9 when, when that conflict was going on between the heavens and Daniel was needing a word from the Lord? And he prayed for, did it say 21 days? 21 days he prayed and fasted. 21 days. 
And on the 21st day, I love those multiples of seven, don't you? Seven is the number of perfection. Three times seven is 21. On the 21st day, God said to Daniel, I heard you the first day you prayed. I heard you the first time you called upon me. I saw you fasting the very first of these 21 days. I know what's in your heart. Know what's in your mind. I know all about it. I knew it all the first day. Wasn't that interesting? That all of those 21 days, it was all about discipline and all about sanctification. All the rest of them 20 days, he heard him the first one. The rest of the 20 was about my covenant with God and my faith in God and walking by faith and not by sight. Come on, somebody. And on the 21st day, God said, I heard you the first day. I saw you the first time. Praise God. And the Bible said God sent Michael, his angel, who warred against the prince of Persia, who is the devil. And Michael drove him back so, so that Gabriel could get through with the message of the 70 weeks of Daniel. That's all eschatological, which means futuristic. Point is, God hears us the very first time we pray. You remember when Paul had his problem. Paul called it a thorn in the flesh. He said, I, I know of a person one time that, that uh, whether he was in a vision or not, I don't know, he said. Whether it was an out-of-body experience or not, I really don't know. He said, but I know of a man, speaking of himself, he said this was four, above 14 years ago that this took place. Usher's book of chronology teaches us that 14 years before the writing of, of the Corinthian letter, Paul was stoned to death at Lystra. Stoned to death. And 14 years later, he wrote 1 Corinthians. What happened, Brother Jerry? He was resurrected. God raised him up. God wasn't through with him. The devil couldn't kill him because God wasn't through with him. Now, I won't say nothing no better than that. If that don't get you shouting, you, you ain't going to shout today. God resurrected him. Yeah, he said, and I saw things. I went to heaven. Now, I, I believe, Randy, I think you'd know when a person's dead or not, wouldn't you? If you saw one, I believe you'd know one. Those people examined him, Larry, and they were convinced he's dead. We stoned him to death. But he said, that man ascended up to the third heaven. That's what happens when we all die. Boy, it got quiet in here. You mean I don't get put in a, a grave? No, you leave. And you go to the third heaven where God is right now. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. You get it? Paul did exactly that. And he said, I saw things that it's not lawful for me to write about. What was he saying? He was saying, 
There are not enough words in the English language. The language is not sufficient for me to describe to you what I saw. But he said, but for your sakes, he was resurrected, praise God, and went on in the work of the Lord. But he said, lest I be exalted above measure, unless that experience with God that nobody else has ever done, but I had an experience with God, and lest I become exalted or so thrilled with myself or so exalted in myself or so self-aggrandizing that I myself think I am some special somebody, lest I become exalted, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. To buffet means blow after blow after blow, a repetitious rendering. Hmm. A thorn was given to him, and he responded in this way. He said, and I prayed. I said, oh, God, deliver me from this thorn. Oh, God, everywhere I go, they beat me up. And everywhere I, every time I get on a ship, it sinks and, or has a storm. And everything I put my hand to, it's, it's, it's such adversity to it. I, I just have to fight such a battle. Lord, please get this thorn out of my life. And the Lord's answer was, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, God said, no, we're going to leave the thorn. It's there for a purpose. But I've given you plenty of grace that the thorn will not become an issue. Here's, here's the blessing of that whole illustration. You can't find in Scripture where Paul ever prayed about it again. He never says another word about it. Come on, somebody. You see, sometimes when we pray, God says no. And it's hard to turn loose of something that you really want really bad, and you pray to God for it, but God knows something about that. You see, I've known multiple people that God answered their prayer and it became a stumbling block for them. And they totally lost out with Christian faith. I can stand here and tell you of great preachers that preach the gospel were the envy of other preachers. Man, I wish I could preach like him. Man, if I just had his anointing to preach Buddy, I'm telling you, if I could just quote Scripture like him, if I could just study material and retain it like him, if I could just be like him, only for that preaching ability and talent and fame to become a stumbling block. And those men completely lose out with God. Once they were great, great, force for God, did good work for God. The few years that we were in that arena with, with those kind of, kind of preachers and great people, 
I've had their family to call, pray for him. He's not in ministry now. He's, he and mom have divorced, and their family just scattered after one time. You see, one of the saddest scriptures in all the Bible is when the prophet said, I, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And he said the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books. And he said, I saw many that had sat in the congregation of the righteous but were turned into hell. What? Boy, it got quiet in this house. You see, sitting in the midst of the congregation is not going to count on that day. What's really going to count is right standing with God. Right standing with God. That's the most important thing. Let me read the rest of this so I don't want to leave you wondering what the rest of it says. I do that to you sometimes. I won't do it today. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah, take a rest. Come and behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease. God, please make that war to cease in Israel today. He maketh wars to cease. Under the end of the earth, he breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and realize that there is no other God besides me. Be still. And realize that I am your hope and I am the strength. Be still and know, realize, come to the understanding that salvation is by grace through faith. Be still and know that I am the deliverer that delivers my people. And he said, I want the heathen to know that. I want all the earth to know that. What is he saying? He's saying, I want people who don't know God to know that I'm God. And I want my people that I've whew, redeemed by my son's offering of himself on the cross at Calvary. I want them to know that I'm God. And I want them to rejoice in the God of their salvation. I want them to worship. I want them to praise. I want them to glory. Serve me with gladness. I want them to walk up rightly before me. I want them to lift up their voice and be heard as the people of God. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul told the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, as if you didn't hear me the first time, I say unto you, rejoice. Rejoice when you don't feel like it. Rejoice when it don't look like it. Rejoice when bad things happen. Rejoice when you're carrying a burden. Rejoice when you're going through a difficulty. Rejoice when there's a hardship going on. Rejoice. I will praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. God says, I want a people that will continually worship me. Worship me. 
Worship me in the way you live. Worship me in the way you praise. At all times, worship me. Be still and know that I am God. The Lord of hosts is with us. Brother, somebody else said, thank God, amen. The Lord of hosts is with us. With us. Natalie, with us. Just think about that for just a minute before we dismiss. Think about that. He's with us. The one that really matters is with us. The one who really cares is with us. The one who knows the way is with us. Most of you know I travel a good bit, preaching in a lot of places. I'm not real good at finding the right place. Sometimes, a few times, I've got in the wrong place. That if I'd have had somebody with me that knew the way, I had a good friend named Barney. He's going on to glory now. We'd, we'd drive into a town, and I'd say, Barney, I'm supposed to preach here in 15 minutes. We've got to find this church. He used to say, Charles, I'd get tickled if he said, well, just find the railroad. And I said, why is that? He said, all churches of God are near a railroad. <laughs> we tend to put them on railroads, don't we? I fooled around one night and got in the wrong church. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. <laughs> Sometimes when you don't know your way, you struggle with things. I was supposed to preach over in Gadsden at South Gadsden Church of God. I didn't know the pastor. My dad had known him for years. Brother J.T. Owens, you know him. I didn't know him at that time. Dad called him back and said, he'll be there for church. What time does it start? 7 o'clock. said, I'll have him there in plenty of time. I went down Megan, I turned over on Forest Avenue and got to 11th Street, turned on 11th Street, went down there and looked all over South Side and all over South Gadsden, all over those places. I didn't find anything that looked like a church of God. It was now about 7.30. And I was looking, I pulled in at a little uh, church that was sitting there. They'd already had church and let out. And there's a lady in a Volkswagen car I said, ma'am, do you know where South Gadsden Church of God is? She said, South Gadsden Church of God? I didn't know God had a church in South Aniston. I said, well, he does, and I'm supposed to. She said, you just follow me, honey. I know every church around here. So I started chasing a Volkswagen with a woman driving that thing, and I wasn't sure she knew where she was going. Well, I sure didn't know where I was going. To, and I pulled up to a stop sign, and there was a bush growed up in front of the sign. But my light shined through the bush, and I could see that Church of God shield on the thing, Doc. And I said, well, that must be, and it said, this way. I said, oh. So I turned and went over a little bit, and there was a sign up there. And it was a neon sign that said, Church of God. I said, oh, Good. So I go walking. Of course, they're already started. And so I thought my place was on the rostrum. 
So I went all the way up to the rostrum, and uh, the pastor saw me come in. He didn't know who I was and didn't know what I was doing there. And he got up and gave me his seat and went over and got him a folding chair and sat in it and let me sit in that one with that high back on it, you know, the preachers used to sit in. Well, I saw people, you know, rejoicing. When the redeemed are gathering in, they were saying, boy, they was just so excited. I said, boy, that's going to be good tonight. And uh, in a minute, somebody came by me, and like Martha always, they wanted to march. And so they came by me, and they started marching. And I said, wonder what that's all about. I said, I know Church of God of Prophecy people do that. But I said, I, I don't know of any of us that, that do it. And I looked over on the wall, and I saw a banner hanging over on the wall, and it said, Attendance Banner, Gadsden District, Church of God of Prophecy. And I said, oh, God. I'm in the wrong church. And back then, everybody was singing Wendy Bagwell's song about wondering where they want a new door. If they'd have been a new door there, I'd have, I'd have found it. So all of a sudden, I just got the urge to walk and to march. So I marched down off the stage and marched down the side and marched across, and when I got to the back front door, uh, Hoyt, I marched on out the door. <laughs> Preachers do stupid things. Need, need to write a book, don't we, Mark? Well, there was a quartet that sang over there called Gospel Echoes. Bo, Walter Bohannon sang with that group. He called me up one night. He said, Jerry, we've sung for revivals for you all over the place, Alabama City and everywhere. So you go with us tonight. And I said, you're right. I need to go with y'all. I'm off tonight, and I'll go with you. And I said, where are we going? He said, not far. He said, come, come get on the bus. We're going to leave on the bus about 5.30 or 6 o'clock. And I said, I'll be there. So I got on the bus, and we pulled out on Megan Boulevard. We started down Megan Boulevard. We turned over on Forest Avenue. And we got down to a Santa Ana service station, and we turned to the left on 11th Street. And I said, where are we going, Bo? He said, not far. I said, it's a little church down here in South Gadsden. South Gadsden. <laughs> and he pulled in at that church. And I said, now listen, I'm not going in there. You couldn't put me in a gun and shoot me in there. I said, I'll just take my Bible and read here. Y'all go in there and have the best singing y'all had. I'll pray for you. Y'all have a great time. They said, no, no, you're going in with us. I said, no, I'm not either. I'm not going in there. I said, yes, you are. You're going. They shamed me so till I finally agreed to come in. I got on the back seat and found a woman with big hair. And I was hiding behind her, hunkered down on the back seat back there. Pastor got up and he said, we sure are glad to have Brother Irwin tonight. Said, y'all remember him? Said, he's the one that stumbled in here one Sunday night and didn't know where he was. Sometimes life just gets, mm, doesn't it? Yeah. But in all your ways, amen, honor him. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. How am I going to get through it? Acknowledge him.
Amen. How am I going to get through it? Acknowledge him. Let him be God. Let him be Lord. Amen. And he'll see you through it. Stand with me. been here 37 years and you first heard that story here huh Karen I sure would like to know what they thought after I left that night they might have had a great service after I was gone <laughs> somebody got got rid of the problem and, and had some good church wow I have a pastor friend his little boy was needing a bed is in emergency room very serious condition and he told a nurse a nurse told him said as soon as we can get a room hours went by with no room and she came back and said I am so sorry sir your child is very very sick and said but we just don't have a room he said well I'll pray about it and God will give us a room and she went straight back to her supervisor, and there was a room available. And she made her way back down to the emergency room, and she said, Sir, I don't know who you pray to, but said something happened up there that we didn't expect to happen that wasn't supposed to happen. And said, You must have prayed to something or somebody that makes a difference, and I want you to talk to me and tell me about that one you prayed to you see the world is waiting and looking for a church that will dare to do what we're supposed to do and be what we're supposed to be amen God in Jesus name I thank you for believers that have heard the word of God today thank you for Psalm 46 thank you that you are with us thank you that you're in the midst of us Thank you that you've promised that we will not be destroyed or moved. Thank you that you are still our, our guide. You're our refuge. You're our hope. You're our strength. And we worship you today, Lord, because of who you are. I ask you to go with us to our homes and our families and help us to live lives, Lord, that the heathen will see the praise and the worship of the righteous and will say, I want to know your God. Lord, help us to live that way right here in Anniston, Alabama so that people that watch our lives will say, I want you to tell me about the God you pray to. Praise your name. We worship you. Amen and amen.